As December opens up before us, we welcome the gift of reflection. We turn toward our holiday celebrations and search for common threads of meaning. We begin with Hanukkah, the festival of lights, which commemorates a time of miracles when the faith of the Jewish people sustained them to reclaim their holy temple and keep the light of the menorah burning for eight days. Then Yule, the winter solstice, and we are invited to explore duality, cycles, and seasons, and to witness the Holly King being overcome by the Oak King. Yule reminds us that we all partake in the miracle of renewal. Christmas, the celebration of Jesus' humble birth in a manger, offers us the opportunity to revisit the miracle of birth and the desire to find saviors to heal the scars of humanity. Here, in this congregation, you are just as much of a holiday miracle as the turning of the earth, as persistence and dedication to a faith, as the creation of each new life. You see the love you give to each other, the space you create to hold one another's joys and sorrows, and the generosity and spirit you entrust to this community. You are the holiday miracle. This community is one of the holiday miracle makers. Let There Be Light by Andy Pakula. Let there be light, the light of joy, the light of happiness, and the light of contentment. May it illuminate our paths and fill our lives with peace. And let there be dark, for it is from dark places that we are brought forward, tried and tested, and impelled toward growth. It is in these places that we realize compassion and learn to love. And there was one day, and there was night, and there was joy, and there was sorrow. And it was good. By way of introduction, I am Reverend Roberta Finkelstein. I'm the minister of the First Unitarian Church of Wilmington, Delaware, where Maria McCabe and her family came to Unitarian Universalism, and where last year Maria was ordained. And she and I are swapping pulpits this morning. She's preaching in Wilmington, and here I am. The folks in Wilmington know that the greatest pleasure in my life right now is my grandchildren, so I want to start with a story about my granddaughter. <clears throat> in June, my husband and I were down in Virginia on baby watch, waiting for baby number two, and we got to spend a lot of time with our almost three-year-old granddaughter. And one morning, um, the car pulled up with her other grandma in it, and there was Ansley in the back seat, big smile on her face. Hi, Grandma. Guess what? What, I said. I had a bad morning. Oh, what was bad about it, I said. Oh, I cried and cried. What were you crying about? I didn't want to get dressed. Why not, I said. There was a little pause, and then she said, Grandma, that's not a why question. <laughs> <clears throat> now, if you think about it, a two-and-a-half-year-old developmentally, their goal is to create some autonomy, right? to figure out how to be their own selves in spite of the fact that they live among a group of much larger people 
who have a great deal of power over them. And so saying no is one of the ways that they, in fact, do exactly this psychological and developmental work they're supposed to be doing. If your only choice in the morning is to get dressed, which is what the big powerful people want, or to not get dressed, sometimes, you know, you have a bad morning. But this idea of something not being a why question is actually much deeper than that. And I shared that story with our pastoral care associates a couple weeks later, and we talked about the fact that in pastoral care and being a pastoral presence for somebody, perhaps that should be our slogan. This is not a why question. It's not a why question because asking why about almost anything, including why are you sad, doesn't get you anywhere. This is, you know, what we could sometimes think of as the ho-ho-ho season, where the cultural expectation is happy, cheerful, excited, glittery. And at times like that, the losses and disappointments in our life can be magnified. The oppressive Christmas machine can make us feel worse. The author Reynolds Price wrote in his memoir about a response to a devastating illness. He said, some vital impulse spared my needing to reiterate the world's most frequent and pointless question in the face of disaster, which is why or why me? I never asked it. The only answer, of course, is why not? You may want to try at first to focus your will on the absolute first ground-level question. And again, that's not why me, but what's next? What's next, no matter what has happened? So what are you to do if you are experiencing a blue Christmas? if you are sad instead of merry? Well, the first thing to do is to acknowledge those feelings and the circumstances that led to those feelings. Give yourself permission to feel however you feel. Then, give yourself permission to seek and accept comfort. Don't think, oh, I don't want to ruin anyone else's holiday, so I'll just keep my sadness to myself. In fact, don't give yourself permission. Give yourself an order to seek and accept comfort. Number two, ignore all bad theology. And there's a lot of bad theology out there. And the worst of it seems to arise out of deaths, unnatural disasters. I've heard some of the worst theology ever at funerals and memorial services, where people, my colleagues, seem to be bent on defending God, even at the cost of blaming victims. So ignore all that bad theology. And look for the glimmers of hope. Hospice chaplain Hank Dunn writes about finding hope in the face of a random, arbitrary, and capricious universe. 
He reminds us that even in the face of what seems incomprehensible, the promise of healing comes from the fact that we have the power to choose our response. We can hold on to anger and hatred, he writes, or we can respond in grace and peace. We do have a choice. And so what I would like to offer you this morning is an invitation to embody the acknowledgement of sadness, grief, disappointment, anger, <clears throat> despair, the permission to seek and accept comfort, and the power to make a choice. We begin that ritual process with a litany. And Sarah and I are going to read it, and you have a response, I believe, that is printed in your order of service. The response is, we find comfort in naming these feelings. We find peace in being together. And so when I cue you, you will speak the response. All around us are bright lights and merry messages, yet in our heart not all is joyful. There is grief with the loss of relationships, those we love no longer with us because of death, those we love who are estranged from us, those we love yet experience a diminishment of intimacy. There is grief with loss and change of relationship, Grief, bittersweet, for it is the consequence of the presence of love. This season brings forth many feelings. We find comfort in naming these feelings. We find peace in being together. All around us are bright lights and merry messages. Yet, in our heart, not all is joyful. There may be pain in our bodies, physical pain as a natural outcome of aging, Physical pain that presents itself in illness. Pain in the body that forces us to change and imposes limitations. Pain, bittersweet, for physical experience, includes both pain and pleasure. And this season brings forth many feelings. We find comfort in naming these feelings. We find peace in being together. All around us are bright lights and merry messages, yet in our heart not all is joyful. There may be anger and regret with the memories we hold, anger with past experiences of hurt or abuse, regret of our own actions that may have caused hurt to others, anger that life has not turned out as we imagined, regret for what we might have said or done. Anger and regret bittersweet in presenting the possibility for healing and forgiveness. This season brings forth many feelings. We find comfort in naming these feelings. We find peace in being together. All around us are bright lights and merry messages. Yet, in our heart, not all is joyful. There may be uncertainty that accompanies transition and change. Uncertainty of what the future may bring with changes. Uncertainty of direction or purpose after retirement or change of vocation. Uncertainty when changing residence by choice or necessity. Uncertainty, bittersweet, for change, a constant in life, lets us know we are alive. And change along with this season brings forth many feelings. 
We find comfort in naming these feelings. We find peace in being together. All around us are bright lights and merry messages, yet in our heart not all is joyful. There may be a sense of hopelessness, hopelessness in the face of so much violence and suffering, hopelessness with attempts to heal our aching world and ourselves, hopelessness in witnessing what we have not yet managed to accomplish, hopelessness bittersweet for its longing reminds us of our capacity for hope and the human spirit's tenacity and courage that rests deep within each of us. This season brings forth many feelings. We find comfort in naming these feelings. We find peace in being together. All around us are bright lights and merry messages, yet in our heart not all is joyful. There is loneliness. Loneliness when we find ourselves alone after being long partnered. Loneliness when we are separated from loved ones Loneliness when we move to a new community and struggle to find our way. Loneliness that never seems filled even with good company. Loneliness that is an ever-present aching in the heart. Loneliness, bittersweet, for it is felt only when we have known connectedness, and this season brings forth many feelings. We find comfort in naming these feelings. We find peace in being together. All around us are bright lights and merry messages, yet in our heart not all is joyful. We know grief and pain. We know anger and regret. We know hopelessness and loneliness. We know all these feelings. We name them. We live them. For such is the human experience, that love presents us with the possibility of being hurt, with the grief of loss, that connection holds the potential of loneliness and uncertainty, that forgiveness can begin to heal anger and regret, that being alive is a courageous act in which we engage all of our emotions, and this season brings forth many feelings. We find comfort in naming these feelings. We find peace in being together. In a moment, we are going to invite you all who wish to come forward in silence and light a candle of hope, memory, or gratitude. Some of you may also wish to take a comfort cloak, handmade by members of the Knitting Ministry at First Unitarian Church of Wilmington, for yourself or someone you know who would benefit from being wrapped in the love and care of our congregation. I want to introduce now Tracy Spinka-Doms, who is the co-president of the congregation and who also coordinates the knitting ministry. She's going to tell you a little bit about it. Hi. So what we have found in our congregation is that people are called to minister each other in many different ways. And for some of those people, They may come to our weekly services, and some of them may not be able to join us every Sunday, but still wish to minister to our congregation. And they have found a way way to do that through the knitting or crocheting of our comfort cloaks. We support our pastoral care associates in this effort, and they will distribute them to congregants that they visit as needed. Um, I brought a few patterns along with me today in case anyone here might be interested in trying one of them. I have both knit and crochet, but um, we have found this uh, way for 
us to bring forward the love and the care of our congregation to the people who really need it. And it's really like being wrapped in a warm hug and feeling the, the love of our congregation. And some of us, um, you may have noticed, even knit in service so that it is in a sacred space with the love of our church community. Last Sunday, Tracy and I had the privilege of attending the, the Delaware vigil in honor of the Sandy Hook shooting victims. And there were at this vigil three women who were all themselves survivors of gun violence. And we were privileged to be able to present each of them with a comfort cloak. And I was, I, even, even I and Tracy, who, who do this all the time, were just astonished at the depth of the how much meaning it had and how much gratitude there was. And um, several of them posted pictures of themselves in their comfort cloaks on social media afterwards. And I, I know that Tracy and the knitters felt like this, this alone made it worth it to do all that we do. And so now I invite you to come forward as you wish to light a candle or take a comfort cloak in silence. It is the winter season of the year, dark and chilly. Perhaps it is the winter season in your life, dark and chilly there too. Come in to Christmas here. Let the light and warmth of Christmas brighten your lives and our world. Let us find in the dark corners of our souls the light of hope, a vision of the extraordinary in the ordinary. Let us find rest in the quiet of a holy moment, a promise of rest and renewal. Let us find the child in each of us, the new hope, the new light born in us. Then will Christmas come. Then will magic return to the world. May it be so for all of you. Amen. Amen.